Welcome to The Journey with Senior Pastor Marty Grebs of Crossings Community Church, a podcast where he explores God's extraordinary work in everyday people. I'm sitting here today with Natalie Haymaker. Natalie has been on our staff now for seven years, and uh, I can't imagine what life was like on our team before she got here. She's been a tremendous blessing and great enthusiasm, loves the Lord, loves uh, the work of missions and helping people and serving people. And so I'm sure glad you are part of this mess. Now, I knew the man you would marry long before you did. Because mm-hmm. I, uh, when, when uh, our son Tyler was playing basketball at Santa Fe in the Edmund Schools, so was Drew Haymaker. And uh, Drew was a guy we were all watching because he was so tall. And he knew how to handle a basketball. And uh, it was easy. He just had to raise his hand and they could get, nobody would interfere. You know, he was so tall. But anyway, great guy, great basketball player, yeah. but also a great, great man, great husband, great father. And, uh, and I, know, I know his family as well. So I'm, I'm thankful that you came along and uh, you made Drew Haymaker's life better than ever. <laughs> and I think he would say the same thing if he were sitting here. So I want to get to know you a little bit or let the audience get to know you a little bit. So let's talk about, first of all, where are you from? I'm from Oklahoma City. Grew up here? Grew up here. Went away shortly for college to Dallas and then came right back. So where'd you go to college? SMU in Dallas. Great school. How long have you been in ministry? I have been on staff for seven years, and that's as long as I've been in ministry because before working here, I was a social worker. So I, I my career... And ministry didn't start until I came to work at the church. But I bet as a social worker, you were in ministry at some level. Because knowing you now, knowing your heart and passion and kindness and love for everybody, I bet you were in ministry even then. But you've been with us seven years. If you could live anywhere you wanted, where would it be? Italy. Italy? Yes. It's, cool it's beautiful. The food is good. Mm-hmm. I like I, that. I love Italy. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite hobby? Uh, play a lot of tennis. Drew and I started playing tennis a few years ago, and so we like playing tennis. That's interesting that you all play tennis because it was uh, my invitation to Kim to play tennis. That was the easiest way I knew to ask her out for the first date, and so the rest is history. So uh, OU or OSU? OU, I suppose, because I went there for my master's, but I also really like OSU. I like their campus is really pretty. And I'll cheer for both in football, but if they're playing each other, I'll cheer for OU. Okay. I know. Don't fire me. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Just kidding. We don't fire you for liking OU. We just pray for you. <laughs> okay. Just easy. I need it. So what's a book you're reading that you would consider among the top 10 you've ever read uh, other than the Bible? So one of my favorite books that I've recently read that was given to me is called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. And it's by Timothy Keller. It's a really small book, and I just love it. And I've been buying it and giving it to people because it's just been really impactful in helping me realize that the less that I think about myself, the more that I can care about and love other people. And it's not about thinking less of yourself in that sense. It's just thinking about yourself less and thinking about others. And there's a difference in those two. There is, and it's a wonderful book, and I just love it. Well, anything Tim Keller has written yeah, yeah. must be read. That's you know? true. Okay, another one. Uh, one thing you would tell your younger self. Mm. What advice would you give to young Natalie? Well, I think young Natalie turned out pretty good. 
I agree. I agree. <laughs> no, I think that um, I, okay, so advice that I would give young Natalie would be um, to not worry or have so much anxiety. I feel like that's what we say to everybody because that's just uh, natural for us to move towards that when we're going through struggles instead of turning to God. So I think just I would love to teach her earlier in life how to go to God with your anxieties and worries instead of trying to handle it yourself because I really didn't learn about that until much later in life. That's great. Favorite Bible character? Oh, um, well, I love Ruth. And I love Jesus. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. Um, one of my very favorite Bible verses is in Mark. And it's the, the dad that comes to Jesus asking to help his son who has a demon in him. And um, one, it's just a very favorite line of mine that I come back to all the time, which is, um, I do believe it helped me with my unbelief. Yeah. And I'm not sure he really counts as a character in the Bible, but I relate so closely to him and what sure. he was thinking in that time. Is like, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. And that's something that I do struggle with a lot is unbelief. And so I always think about that dad and how he went to Jesus. That was a just such a great statement in the Bible for mm -hmm. all of us, really. Mm -hmm. What's the best meal you've ever had? Drew cooks a very good steak. Really good steak. It's so much so that when we go to restaurants, I don't like other steaks anymore. Just like the way that he seasons steak, he cooks a great steak. Um, but I have had in Italy the original fettuccine Alfredo at the restaurant called Alfredo's, and that is pretty amazing. <laughs> so, I bet it is. Yeah, it's awesome. Coffee or tea? Coffee. All the coffee. So, Natalie, I want to know about your, um, your life, your growing up life. Uh, what was going on in Natalie's life between when you were a kid all the way to joining a church staff? Well, I grew up here in Oklahoma City, lived with my parents and my sister, and we grew up going to church and very faithfully, consistently, and was very involved in the youth group and going on mission trips. And I had a lot of adults at the church who really um, spent a lot of time ministering to us, to our youth group, and just people who were really important in my life growing up. And uh, that really led me into just really kind of always being a Christian. Um, don't really have a time where I remember asking God into my heart. Maybe I did younger, and I, I don't really, but it just was always there, part of my identity, and never stopped being a part of my identity. I never really went away from, from that. I think it's important to point out to those who are listening, um, your parents did something wonderful for you in getting you to church. Mm -hmm. And I know the church is not the cure-all for all ills, but a healthy church where you're, you're loved and you're taught the truths of the Bible, uh, our stories probably are very similar. I, I learned about Jesus, learned to love Jesus long before I knew I was supposed to make a decision to do that. It, 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 it happened. Obviously, it was real for both of us, but it was real for you because you never turned back. Mm -hmm. you, that was solidified in who you are as a, as a person. And for that, we both have parents to thank for letting us find something that was so good and meant so much that 
it wasn't even a second thought. It's part of the fabric of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so you grew up in church, you graduated from high school, you headed to SMU. And what, what did you think you'd be doing when you got out of college? Well, when, when I went down to SMU, I was a bit of a mess. I had a little too much fun, I would say, but... Um, really? In college? <laughs> first year of college? The first year That's of college. That's so yeah, unusual. It's a really rare thing to happen. Um, but I, I can see now how God was really deeply involved in my life, even then, and just knowing the plan that He had for me throughout this. And I can see it starting even at the beginning, that I wasn't going to go into advertising but my grades were not up to par and I couldn't get into the advertising school. And so I ended up choosing psychology and then was going to come home and sell real estate with my parents. Um, But then senior year, I took a child psych and family class and learned about the child welfare system and was came home and said, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go be a social worker. And so that is what led me into the job that I had right out of college where I met the person who introduced me to Drew. So if those mistakes in college hadn't happened, and whenever I feel that shame or guilt of not having it together when I should have or not doing things the right way, I have to remind myself that God knew that was going to happen and had this great plan for us anyway, me and Drew. <laughs> so uh, it's just really wonderful, I think, to be able to look back on life and see where God has really put things together. And Drew experienced something really similar in that he had this promising basketball career Uh, but had kind of an injury and ended up, you know, he played in college, uh, but ended up coming home his senior year. And that was when we met. And so if his career had gone differently in basketball, he might not have been here. If I had gone into advertising and I might not have been here to meet Drew. And so I just know that no matter the mistakes I had, God orchestrated all of that so that we could be together. And as you said, Drew is a wonderful person. You seem to really love this man. I love you know? him. <laughs> and I always knew he was a—he was just a great guy. And I knew yeah. his family. And he was a PK, mm-hmm. so I could tease him occasionally about us being both preachers' kids, and we survived and still love Jesus and still go to church. You <laughs> mm-hmm. know, because a lot of PKs run as fast as they can away from the church when they uh, when they have a chance to do so. But Drew is a great guy. And uh, how long have y'all been married? It'll be eleven years. Eleven years. And uh, it's no longer just you and Drew in the house. Tell us about that. Well, we have Brooke, and she is in third grade. And, um, well, it's kind of a fun story about God and prayer. Uh, I had really decided that one was enough. And I really, I knew Drew wanted more kids. And so I was praying for God to help change Drew's heart so that he could be okay with us just having one kid and there wouldn't be this resentment about that. And I had a really good friend call me out and say, you know, that's not really how prayer works. And so I said, okay, God, I pray that you'll change one of our hearts so that we can get on the same page about this. But you know, I just really want you to help Drew realize that we're only gonna have one kid. And then a few months later, I, you know, I was like, I think we should have another kid. And so, you know, God just really worked, worked through that. Um, and then in that though, we did, we experienced a miscarriage and that was really difficult and, and pretty devastating. And I really wanted to be upset and feel sorry for myself and wonder why God would allow me to want to have this baby and then to not have this baby. And the thing that's so different about being stronger in my faith at that point was really relying on God to get me through that and to ask him for 
just the peace with it, but also trying to figure out how can I use this difficult time for others in the future. And so I think that when people are going through a really hard time, I just encourage people to really think about when you get through this, because God will bring you through this. Be joyful in knowing that you're going to be able to use this in some way. God's going to use this in someone else's story. And that's why I use, so I use that advice a lot is just with people are really going through a hard time is just remembering that God's going to get you through this and it's going to be used in some way. Yeah. How long ago was that? Was that, when did that happen? Um, That was in 2015. Okay. It's been a while. It was my, um, I had just come on staff and it was during Christmas backpack outreach. Oh, okay. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Kristen had told you and you came up and um, told me you were sorry and praying for me. And that really meant a lot to me. Uh, Yeah. I remember. It was a long time ago. Now we have baby Shelby. Yeah. Who's just the best. And she is six. (laughs) Not so baby anymore. So to answer your original question, I have two kids now. (laughs) And they're delightful, of course. Thanks to prayer and God's changing my heart and just following his will. And we have this wonderful family. You know, and... And so in that uh, span of time, there was a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember even as a young pastor, uh, when someone told me that a miscarriage needs to be grieved. And, you know, one for a guy, two for a young guy who didn't understand any of that. It was a very pastoral moment for me to understand that it's important um, it's important on a lot of fronts. It's important for the woman, the mother-to-be. It's important for that family to grieve that. Is there something in that? Did you sense that or feel that? Or how do you, how'd you go through that? Well, I spent a lot of time listening to music. I find a lot of comfort in worship music. And so I spent a lot of time um, listening to music and praying to God about it. Drew and I talked about it a lot. And... Um, just talking with other friends who had also been through it, being able to be supported by people who knew what I was going through, but, and Drew also, you know, what he was going through. But honestly, Brooke was two and kept us pretty busy. That's yeah. a good distraction, I would say. Um, yeah. But we really just, talking to each other about it was big. Just not pretending like it never happened. Right. We didn't do that. We were going to talk about it and check in with each other and see how they were feeling and, that was really important. That's great. And that's why you have, I think, such a strong marriage. Is that's been your, your practice uh, from the beginning. Um, so uh, somewhere in all this, you were in social work. Mm-hmm. And um, somebody came up with this crazy idea that you might would consider being on the staff at Crossings. So how'd that happen? Well, I was working as a school-based social worker in Putnam City. And I was working for a grant program, and that was coming to an end. And so I was looking for jobs, uh, but wouldn't really have ever thought I would work at church. I didn't think that was at all God's plan for me. Um, But I was actually looking on the website for, the Crossings website for um, serve opportunities for our small group. And for only God's reasoning, (laughs) I clicked on the careers button, and there was this job posted there that was working in missions and it was working in the schools and working on the Christmas program. And when I was at DHS for a time, I was the volunteer coordinator and I coordinated a Christmas program. And then the ministry that we have, say families, working with families that are in crisis and trying to prevent them from going into foster care. I had obviously a lot of experience there because I had worked in child welfare for so long. And so it just 
read this description and thought, this is my resume, <laughs> you know, want, lined up really well. And so I took a big gamble and said, I'm going to apply for this job and see what happens. And and there, and there you are. I remember the day they said, uh, there's this gal that's applied. And Natalie, hey, Meg, do you know? Oh, I know Natalie. She's great. I don't know what she's going to do, but she is great. She will make something happen, you know, whatever it is. But uh, clearly God had put on your heart and gave you the ability to deal with uh, an area of life, social work, in, in a way that would a lot of people couldn't handle. You know, sometimes you get close into the, the really major issues our culture has, mm-hmm. our cities have, our schools have. It's, it's hard sometimes to hear about it, to face it. I'm sure you saw things uh, through your journey before you got to the church and probably since of how messed up this world can be and how hard it can be on a kid. Mm-hmm. So what, what drove you to the social work piece to start with and then... Why do you think now, as you look back, God brought you to crossings? What was here that you didn't anticipate? And, or maybe what wasn't here that God's used you to help us accomplish? Sure. Well, when I was drawn into social work, because I realized that there were so many kids out there who didn't have the upbringing that I had, supportive family, resources, and I just, my heart broke for that, and I really wanted to help and so I was really passionate about helping children, but also helping the families, the parents as well. And uh, that was just something that I really loved. And I think God really protected my heart through that because I was in that field for 10 years. And that's, it's a lot, of, you're right, there's a lot of things that I saw and experienced that were really difficult, but God really protected me during that time so that I can continue to do the work. And uh, I'm just really grateful for that because I loved that career, that time in my life. And when, when I came to the church, I was excited about working with Safe Families. And it's a new, it was a newer ministry. And so just seeing how we could run that. But I think that what's been great about being on staff is being able to um, really connect with people in the church and help them find what they're passionate about so that they can go serve and be passionate about it and just keep talking about Jesus out in the community and it's, it's really wonderful when you see volunteers just growing and flourishing and, and then bringing their friends and they're all serving. And it's just what it is that we're supposed to be doing is reaching out to others. And so it's just, I really enjoy being able to help the church, people from the church do that. Yeah. And I think, and you know, we both know that the benefit or maybe more the joy that comes when we realize we have found the place God wants to use us. Mm-hmm. We've found the place God wants us to inspire and maybe encourage others. We've, it's, it's pretty special when you realize I'm where God wants me to be, mm-hmm. and I would never have dreamed this is where he'd want me to be. But through those twists and turns of life, whether it's a, a bad semester at SMU, uh, all you know, you, you hear that verse sometimes and, and the idea that God always works things to the good of those who trust him. Mm-hmm. And, and that, but it's true. Sometimes I think people say it, when it's more trite or something. But I think it is, if we just let God do what he's going to do with us, um, it'll happen. Mm-hmm. He'll do it. Uh, for me, he said, I want you to go there. And I go, uh-uh, I want to go there. And uh, I, I, that's where I want to go. And he said, no, you're going there. And in the, in the moment, 
you know you're hearing from God and you, you know you, it's, obedience to God is, is certainly a better choice. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think you've heard that, that God has this plan for you. And so now you, you office now over the community center, which has really been a bummer for us because it used <laughs> to be in our hallway and it was, there was always something joyful going on. There was always laughter, and, and it got kind of okay, quiet. okay, Marty. I was loud. It's when, okay. No, you weren't loud. That. No, it was, it was joyous. It was fun. And uh, uh, it, it's, it's gotten rather quiet. And so uh, you're missed. And, of course, the people that occupy where you were are out on, on mission and on assignments, of course. But I guess I could ask you, so what's it like to office next to Jean Carl's ward? Well, Jean and I have to be really careful about when we sit down and talk to each other because we feed off each other's energy and we'll get going with ideas and plans. And Jean and I have a friendship that started before he was on staff. I'm friends with his wife. We were in a center group together. And so that was how I originally met Jean was years ago when when Tara and I did center together. But Jean is so fun to work with and just um, his enthusiasm for serving others. And it, it's just, it's wonderful because we get really creative and we have a lot of fun, but we always have to maybe set a timer on our phone to remind us to go back to what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> but it has been really a great experience to be office with Gene and everyone else from the mission. You are with and, a phenomenal team yeah, of people in that hallway. Great. A lot of teamwork happening, yeah. planning things together, supporting each other and, and, different endeavors that everyone's doing in missions. So it's been wonderful. Yeah, but I do miss being at the church. That's a hallway, though. I When I've been over there some, I think, I, I would love to be in that hallway. It would be pretty fun, but it would not be good for the church for me to be in that hallway. <laughs> I think it would be. Well, we would really cause problems, I we think. We'd have a I, lot of fun. We, well, we definitely would yeah. do that. And that's where uh, it all starts. That whole, the whole team over there in that hallway is just pretty, mm-hmm. just amazing people. But I, I would say that about every hallway in the church where we have uh, incredible people that are helping this church do what God's called us to do. As you look toward the future then, uh, your future or the church's future, um, and where things are headed in the culture, what would you say you're most uh, concerned about or when you think of the needs that you are face, facing almost every day, what are you praying for? What would be your prayer for this world, for our city, for our community, how God might use you or crossings to accomplish something? I've been praying a lot for people's hearts to soften and for people to open their mind to loving everyone truly. We talk about that, but it really is a lot harder, and I don't think we're seeing it as much as we would love to see, and even in myself, like truly loving everybody. And so I've been praying a lot about how we need to focus less on ourselves and more on how we can help each other. And it's really kind of counterculture right now because we're very, COVID made us very focused inward and um, stay home and kind of focus on ourselves. And so now it's, we really need to get to a point where we're not thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about how we can help others waking up every day. How can I help someone today? How can I encourage someone today? So I'm just really praying for that and just praying that Everyone in the church and outside of the church can just really be inspired and obedient to what the Holy Spirit might be calling them to do and go and serve and love others. I think that's what Jesus told us to do. I might have plagiarized that that. from the Bible. You might have gotten that from him or something, but it sounds really familiar. It's really good advice. It is great advice. (laughs) 
or yeah. own sound advice is what we were told no, to go do. It's your mantra, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I like about what you said. He told us to do this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so easy in churches at times, and I've been, you know, we've been, both of us, we've been in church all our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to get caught up in the church and forget what's outside the walls where Jesus told us to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm so thankful that you have found that God wanted to send you out and uh, put you in a place a lot of people couldn't handle and seeing things in the culture and kind of the underbelly of a city mm-hmm. where there are tough things happening every day to kids, families, and uh, a church can really make a difference if we'll step up Absolutely. and do exactly what Jesus told us to do. And what we're seeing a lot of movement um, in in the community with smaller ministries and, and people just really um, trying to make a difference and really bring hope to communities. You know, a lot of times we focus on fixing a problem, but that's not really what we need to focus on. We need to focus on bringing hope to people, bringing Jesus to people, and just walking alongside of them through whatever their problem is. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's there, there are things that can be, um, you know, that we can help people with, but really just being in relationship with others and bringing hope to those that need it. And I'm, we are seeing a lot of that in the community, yeah. and it's really inspiring. The ministry where you serve uh, in the clinic now or the community center and the Safe Families and helping our church get their eyes open to the needs, uh, I remember, it makes me recall this elders meeting we had probably 20 years ago. And the question that was being posed, at an, it was a Saturday morning kind of a retreat setting where the elders wanted to meet and say, what are we supposed to do next? What would God be calling us to do in this community? What is needed? And it started with that question. And uh, from there, we met with uh, dignitaries uh, in positions of power in the Department of Human Services, mm-hmm. uh, the governor, the uh, lieutenant governor, the mayor of Oklahoma City. And out of that, God used that journey to birth a vision that the church very much needs to step up in a community. And I don't know about you, but the church I grew up in, and it was, it was not a knock on my home. My dad was the pastor. I'm not criticizing my, my home church at all. But the, I remember more the emphasis then. It was probably uh, correct emphasis. was more overseas. You know, as a kid, if you're a believer, you'd almost pray, God, please don't send me out on the mission field. <laughs> I don't want to go. Don't make me go be a missionary. It looks <laughs> awful, you know. And so, but... But what God has done, I think, is open our eyes in, in the last 20 years. Our church, I think, our, I think all Christians have caught a glimpse. We had better step up and pay attention to the needs of our culture. And I really appreciate you being a part of that answer. God knew when we were having that discussion 20 years ago that 13 years after that, this gal named Natalie Haymaker was going to come and be on staff. or that Pam Millington was going to be on our team, or Steve Turner, Mm -hmm. because that's where a lot of this started stirring in our hearts and souls. So I guess as we wrap this up, I want to say to you, thanks for being obedient. Thanks for watching God's hand. Thanks for uh, all you bring to this. Your exuberance, your joy, your laughter uh, is so good for all of us. And I appreciate you being willing to respond to what God said, I want you to go do this. And you do it, 
And I'm sure there are days it's not easy, but I just really am thankful that you do it. I think it's great. And I think you're great. Thanks. And I really like your husband, too. He's great. He's so wonderful. He's so good to me. He really is. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I just, um, I, I am grateful that the leaders, the elders at that time were obedient in that calling and moved in the direction of having the community center and clinic because now we're getting to see the fruits of that obedience. And now we're in a place where we can be ready to really move into the next step of being the church in the community and really get our, our people engaged and we're able to really move that direction. I'm excited about it, excited to see what God's doing because I know people are ready to really make a difference in this community. So I'm really grateful that you all were obedient in that and that now I just get to be a part of it. It's a blessing. And I'm sure glad you are. Thanks. What would you say to our church? You've got a chance now to look into the camera and say to Crossings Church family, we need your help to do this. How would you encourage them? What word can you give them that might spark something in their thinking or in their hearts to start considering stepping up in a way that God has called them to? Absolutely. I would just really encourage people to be obedient to what God is calling them to. I think that it's difficult to always know that. So if people want to come and meet with us on staff and talk about it, we're here to help people find and follow Jesus. Imagine that. We're here to help people find what it is that they're passionate about that they can do to honor God. And I just really want people to know that everything that God's given them can be used to glorify Him, right? Every little thing, every big thing. And I just really encourage people to recognize that and just go do it. You know, I would encourage people, I think, to pray about that. I mean, have the courage to ask God, what would you have me do? Mm -hmm. Is there something you want to use me to do? Now, be careful what you pray for. (laughs) Yeah. Because if you pray for that, you'll get an answer. Yes. And you need to be prepared to say, that's not the answer I wanted, but if it's God's answer, then that's where I'm going to go. Yeah. And you know it's going to be the greatest step that you'll take because it's God's will. So you just let go of your own reservations or your own idea of the way things are supposed to go and just do what God's asking you to do. And it's going to be wonderful. 